Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and we've got a lot to talk about. We've wrapped in Scotland for the Scottish Open, and uh, there's another event coming up. I think I've heard of it before the Open Championship. Mark Immelman is here. Mark, good to see you. Hey, when you, uh, Rick, were about to go, I'm almost officially ready to declare. I thought you were going to declare me the winner of the one and done league already, but no, you're right. It's it's almost Open Championship week, man. I think we will be, we might be able to do that depending on the outcome of next week's uh, tournament. We might be able to declare that mark next week, but I'm going to hold off on on doing that for now. Greg Ducharme is here. Greg, good to see you, bud. I, I think it's safe to declare now that I am not the winner of the one and done this year, uh, which is disappointing, but it is what it is. So uh, great picking so far, Mark. But you but you do have the best nickname in all of sports broadcast. I mean, I found this out just a few minutes ago, and I want to know why you've been holding out on me for so long. I mean, this is legendary, this name of yours. Oh, Isofire 7-Eleven? Yeah, that's my, uh, that, that was my old... AOL instant messenger account name. And when you're in middle school, you come up with all these, you, you know, everybody comes up with, you know, the Yan- Yankees fan one, one, one or something, you know, everybody comes up with all these nicknames. And, uh, I came up with Isofire seven 11 and it got out somehow because I announced it. Told us. <laughs> yeah. And wait, wait till the three I'm open. I'm going to find a way to get icy fire into one of my calls that I can. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It will take some creativity in a golf event, but I guess Minnesota is the place to do it. Yeah. There you go. That's a good point. Uh, Jess, before we jump head on into the Scottish open and of course uh, the open championship reminder, we have been nominated for the best sports podcast in the People's Choice Podcast Awards. I think we're the only golf podcast in there. When I went and scrolled through, I believe that to be the case. So much appreciated for uh, all the support along the way. We asked for about 60 more seconds of support. You can click the link in the description. If you're watching on YouTube, you can scan the QR code. Or if you're feeling frisky, you can type in podcastawards.com slash app slash sign up. Go on down to the sports category and choose the first cut podcast. Uh, whole thing will take you probably like 60 seconds and we'd really appreciate it. I love it. We'll see if we can uh, pull off a victory, Greg, against some much more established, uh, you know, fantasy football. Uh, not like, there, There's some bigger boys out there, but we're the underdogs. I think we can make some noise. Everybody loves an underdog story. And yeah. Yeah, yes, there are bigger names out there, bigger stories, more established, but uh, there's there's nobody like the first cut. So we, we really would appreciate your vote. Thank you very much in advance. And apparently there's nobody like Xander. Shoffley, who has just gone back to back. He wins 
the Travelers. He wins now the Genesis Scottish Open. If you want to throw in the JP McManus, it's three in a row for Xander, who is uh, flying high at the moment. Mark, it was a Sunday 70. Xander said it was uh, the worst round of, of his week. It was didn't have his best stuff out there, but he did certainly have enough to hoist the trophy. Well, I think it's proving the quality of the player that Xander is, you know, because remember, for the longest time, he's been the guy that couldn't win and couldn't close and blah, 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 blah. But now he comes out there, puts on a virtuoso display at the Travelers, I thought. Then at the JP McManus, I think we need to recognize that because, look, it's only 20-odd guys, but the field was strong and he shot an incredible first round there. That 64 was pretty awesome. And then this week, the final round he put together is what all great golfers do. I'll never forget a lesson I learned from Nick Price, Hall of Famer, multiple major champion, world's number one golfer. And Nick said to me, he goes, I became a tournament winner when I learned how to make my bad day decent. He said, because every player, no matter how you're playing, there's going to be a stretch of holes. It might be a day if you're unlucky, maybe 27 holes, 18 holes, nine holes, whatever. Um, that it just doesn't go your way. And you've got to be smart. You've got to make the right decisions. You've got to figure out what shot you're going to. And you've got to survive, essentially chip and putt a little bit and and just outwit the competition. And today, under the pressure of playing in the final group, uh, difficult conditions, you can make big mistakes around there if you're not careful. He did what he had to do. And so to me, hats off Xander Shoffley. You know, the travelers, he couldn't put a foot wrong from T through green. He was really good through three rounds, and today he did what great champions do. So I feel like looking back on this now, this will add another gear to what's already a pretty strong gearbox for, for Xander Shoffley, and I feel like this is one he can really fall back on to say, you know, I did win a big event against a big field on a difficult course in difficult conditions, and I didn't necessarily have my best all the time. And that is really good for one's confidence. Greg, I, I love that you're always you're always good at giving us perspective, especially on the Monday show of, hey, this guy was trending or if, you know, if he wins this week, we would think completely differently about the last five weeks. Right. I mean, this is, I think, a perfect example of Xander Shoffley bolstering a resume that we, you know, poked holes in for five years in just three weeks. Right. And now. Right completely different to say okay well now it's seven pga tour victories now it's a travelers and a scottish open in consecutive starts you then throw in all the fun stuff like the olympics and everything else and now you're looking at it like wow okay we got ourselves a pretty decent resume here right all of a sudden those events that look you know like there's maybe an asterisk next to them some people may put an asterisk next to them um, you know, the shadow winning the shadow leaderboard of the tour championship, winning a gold medal, right? These things, this, a lot of people like to put asterisks by them. And, but now all of a sudden, when you start tacking on the full field, you know, 156, 100, 144 player events, now all of a sudden it looks much more realistic. Um, but the other perspective, Rick, that I, I think is really important to add is what he's done in this run, because this is after he wins the Zurich. Okay, another event you could put an asterisk next to. It's a team event. So it's un understandable. Stop, stop with asterisk stuff, but he won those events. He he won them. Absolutely. But what what do they mean for his uh, ability and for his um his resume? Th those are things that people question. 
But after that, you see a tied fifth, the 13th, the tied 18th, the 14th, and now all of a sudden back-to-back wins. And this was coming for a while. And it was really consistent play all the way across the board. The putter finally got hot at the Travelers. He gained he gains nearly eight strokes putt in there. And all of a sudden, it leads to a win. Here this week, he gains mo- more tee to green than he has uh, in, in that run prior. He gains 10 strokes. But his tee to green performance really all through that run was very consistent, very steady, somewhere between seven and 10 strokes gained uh, tee to green. And now all of a sudden he has a a solid putting week and a solid short game week. And he just does what Xander does, but he's able to take all the things that Mark said earlier and apply them to that really sound foundation, that really steady game. And that's what makes the biggest difference in the win. It's, it's not an ability level that was lacking. Uh, It's, it's nothing of that. It's just simply learning how to win. And now we've seen, I say, quote unquote, floodgates opening for the second time this season. The first being Scotty Scheffler. <laughs> yeah, we've we've had, we've got so many guys with multiple wins. It's pretty it's pretty nuts on the year. Yeah, uh, this was actually the third for 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 Xander. So uh, when when I look at this round, Mark and and Xander told us himself he didn't have his best stuff, but he kind of was able to summon the good stuff on on 17. The, the seven-footer to save par on 17 to have a two-shot cushion going to 18 instead of just one stroke with 18 playing about as difficult as it could, uh, that's a big-time putt to give yourself that opportunity to even just make bogey on 18 and still cash it. Yeah, but I would back up a few holes, you know, some shots he hit coming down the stretch before 17 and that putt even. I mean, he had some quality balls into 15 there, I thought. Um and very intelligent. And Nick Felder referenced the fact that on 15, Dottie said, well, you know, just got to avoid the putt bunker on the right-hand side and the green's well deep and you've got a good 20 yards over the top of that. But you're playing downhill firm conditions, which we'll likely see next week at St. Andrews. And um, and Nick rightly said, he goes, yeah, but 20 yards um, covering a bunker on a Lynx golf course is scary because you're unsure what the ball's likely to do. So Xander hit a good fair ball down the fairway off the tee, get a beautiful wedge beyond the flag, smart, two putts, easy. And then 16, I mean, just slinging that draw down there off the tee, that was higher quality. And then that long iron off the upslope into the heart of the green. That was like, all right, he might not have his good stuff, but there's there's about that many guys in the PGA Tour that have that shot. And I held up two hands to say that was quality, to launch a high long iron off a tight lie, crosswind, uh, fescue on the right, bunkers on the left, I think it was. I mean, that was good stuff there. And and I watched those two shots, and it sort of harkened to when I've called Xander before, where he's always impressed me with how smooth he swings it, but how hard he hits the ball. And then at the Travelers, it, it was another display of pace control, um, really savvy decision-making, and some tremendous ball striking. And when I watched him hit those two shots to seven, uh, 16, I was like, good grief. I mean... I would I would pick him over the top of Spieth right now, and I'm probably going to take a lot of heat from this, but but he is the man right now with that stuff there. And, of course, the putt made on 17, that's what wins you tournaments. So, yeah, it was big stuff. It was ballsy stuff from him, but those two shots he had on 16 for that two-putt birdie, I mean, that was high octane, those two strikes there. Oddsmakers have already adjusted. Greg, uh, as we head into St. Andrews, uh, Xander Shoffley, depending on where you look, basically 
the third favorite, firmly behind Rory McIlroy and John Rahm, anywhere from 14 to 16 to 1. He's the hottest player on the planet. And now he gets an opportunity to potentially uh, add a major championship to this growing, a great resume. Last player to win the Scottish and then the Open the next week was, well, any guesses? Yeah, it was Phil. Yeah. They said that on the broadcast, so I was just taking, you know, cherry picking that one. Um, but but so that's happened. And I was also thinking about Jordan in 2017 because he won the Travelers in the start before the Open. Um, it, you had when Rory won the Open in 14. I think that was the first of a three in a row. That was the first of of three in a row for him. But anyway, so take Rory out of it. But uh, there have been some players who have entered the Open Championship on a really good run and ended up sealing the deal so this isn't you know a, a bad thing by any means that he's coming off of a win that he's on a heater sometimes it can add a little too much pressure and and you don't see guys win back-to-back starts very often let alone back-to-back weeks but um it, but it, it this one feels like it has a real possibility and it, it seems like any way you look any way you handicap the open xander checks the box whatever it is so i'm really looking forward to see how he handles it this week. Hey, Rick, just, I, I just want to add one thing looking through those numbers there. At 1,600 for mm-hmm. Xander, mm-hmm. I would bet him over Rom every day of the week the way he's going right now. And again, that's probably going to take heat from folks. But just the completeness of his game, the way he's swinging it is just off the charts. The width, the control, uh, the low point control, which is huge in links golf for the firm conditions to strike the ball well to be able to control speed and spin i mean he's got it all going on right now and um that's an enticing number there my only concern like you always kind of are uh, you and i have made this mistake and then we always talk about it where we're like yeah well the guy might be fatigued let's not bet him next time then he goes and does it again so uh, i think he's just so enticing right now because it doesn't look to me like he is expending a whole lot of energy either you know, he and Austin are just so easy going with each other. Yeah, they're pepper in the center of the club face and uh, not getting into too much trouble. Seven under par was the winning score for Xander Shoffley. One shot clear of Kurt Kitayama. Greg, it's been an interesting year for Kitayama. He's missed a lot of cuts, but when he plays well, he gets himself in the mix. I'm thinking of Honda, obviously a runner-up finish here. And oh, by the way, just punched his ticket to St. Andrews with this finish. Yes, which is um, phenomenal. And it was a really, really good round for him today. Um, and I am and many different occurrences, but it, he's so impressive with the driver. Uh, his length is really, it stands out to me. His power stands out to me. So he's an impressive player in that regard. And I think he's really turned this thing around to where he knows he can compete on the PGA Tour. And just having those really close finishes and not just doing it once, but but doing it again, uh, where now all of a sudden you're looking at three top five finishes uh, in this year. And that's a guy that that's ready to win. That's the kind of guy that can compete out there. He has the assets that you need that um, that can make this happen. So I, I was really impressed with Kitayama. And um, the one thing that I will say is if you look at Mexico kind of stands out for him. But you look at a Honda Classic and you look at this event where par is a really good score. It has a way of bringing a lot of guys into contention. Wind has a way of bringing a lot of players into contention. And I'm, I'm wondering, I guess the jury's still out on Kitayama. Is that a, a style that fits him very well? 
is it just a guy who's playing really well and gets into these kind of events where uh, where the scores aren't crazy low and you don't have to go make a crazy number of birdies and a 66 is often the round of the day is that where Kurt Kitayama really excels or is he going to kind of go the Cam Young route and start to excel on a variety of golf courses and I'm looking forward to seeing that uh, I'm in with you there Greg but what I would say because I had him on the call in Mexico um, until late on Sunday, I was dispatched to Finau or someone who was out in front that was finishing real strong. And early in the week, you know, there were crosswinds on that course, golf course, but the fairways were wide. And he plays, you know, if you want to get sort of golf instruction geeky, he plays with quite an open club face that he slams shut yeah. forearms through contact. And that's how it creates speed. And for someone who's like five, eight, I think, at a stretch, he can pound it. I mean, he is, it's the thing a long ways. So he gets a bit inconsistent off the tee. But when he's timing that stuff up, man, he was impressive to me. And he made a run there on the final day with Rom. Um, I think he was in the same group as Rom. We had the, the the duties with Dottie and me were split there with that final group there. And um, he, he turned my head some because he didn't back down for John Rom, who's a pretty imposing figure. I mean, the guy's big. He's six foot two or three. He's big, strong legs and stuff. And, and he's John Rom. And Kitayama was not afraid. He's won in Europe before. I don't think people are aware of that. He's won a couple of times. So he's done so in bad weather. So if he keeps the driver buttoned up, I, I think he's, he's he's a contender. And each one of these finishes, I think he's sort of proving to himself, or I believe so, that he's proving to himself, to your point, that, yeah, I can hang with these guys. And and he's going to he's gonna get his soon if he still stays healthy, I'm, I'm sure of this. I want to continue to talk about some of the notables because the the leaderboard was was fairly stout for the majority of the week. We're going to do that. We're going to look ahead to the Open Championship and do much, much more. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount+. Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. To the can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and $15,000 a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount+. And we're back. Let's start with... Jordan Speed. I guess we'll go down to Jordan, who at one point was at five under par, Greg. And then he started doing the Spieth stuff where he makes double on 14. That's the par three that was only playing 150 yards. He gives another one back on 15. He misses a shorty uh, coming in there, makes a bogey on 18. Boy, it was the full Spieth experience. Yeah, unfortunately, it was rather ugly. Um, it, it- more so than the magic, which we, we always like to see the magic. It was a nice birdie at 16, but um, yeah, it was it was a little bit disappointing because he was one shot off the lead after 13. He was he's within one and he goes to 157 yard par three. And you're thinking, all right, here come here comes a run. This is now between Xander and Jordan, which we at last night on uh, on our recap episode, CNI kind of said, hey, this is going to be a, a Xander and Jordan battle now Xander didn't play his best so he let a lot of other guys in into the mix and some other guys played really well but it was shaping up to go that way and it looked like it really was going to be a Jordan Xander showdown and then you know they they used the word uh chip seven iron uh, on the broadcast and 
that is just, it's one of the hardest things. One of the more common things that you see is when you try to take something off of it. If you're not fully committed, if you don't keep your body moving on the way through, you flip down the club face and it goes left. That's exactly what had happened for Jordan. Um, but I think more concerning than that was hitting his putt like 11 feet by. I mean, I, I don't know what happened on that par putt. It's almost like he felt like he, if he didn't make that putt, he had no chance in the, the rest of the way. The rest of the tournament was over, which may have been true, but um, it, you know, it, it looked like a loss of focus to me for him to hit it that far by. I mean, this is all the putting woes, Mark. You know, let, let's just remove the fact that he can get, he was actually for the most of the week fairly accurate off the tee. He lost a couple late on Sunday that put him in some horrible spots, but those short missed putts, that, that kind of tentative stroke that leads to a lot of short range misses has been going on for months. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't seem like we've got a solution yet. Well, apart from the influence it has on the scorecard, which is obviously mammoth, the, the, when you start missing short putts, that tends to filter through the rest of the game because then sometimes you force a decision to hit an iron shot closer and then you catch yourself up, you trip yourself uh, up a little bit. And so the whole thing has this knock-on effect. And I've, I've said this time and time again, and you guys disagree with me time and time again, that you're not going to out-hit a, a, a bad putter. If you're putting poorly, you cannot outstrike it and remain relevant. Now, there are certain places, outliers, that you'll be able to do so and still contend. But if you are fearing missing a four or five footer when the reckoning is happening, because it's going to happen, whether the greens are fast and slick or whether the next this week and next, the greens are a little slower, but they're blustery and breezy and a little bumpy. If you're a little circumspect on the greens, man, the hole starts looking the size of a thimble. And, and, and you get over the thing, even a golfer of this sort of skill level going, there's no chance I'm ever making this thing. And then when you knock one in, instead of going, all right, one hole down, let's go on, there's the sense of relief to say, oh, my goodness, I made it. I'm still okay. So, so the mindset starts to change now. And I know I sound maybe you know, kind of negative and stuff, but this is the golfer's mind or the human being's mind, I should even say, even for Jordan Spieth. So um, he looks like he's going in the wrong, the right direction to me, pardon me, right direction, I said, the correct direction, where everything he's doing with a stroke is online and stuff. But this, it's just an untimely miss once in a while, and that speaks to something that might have crept inside of the space between the two ears yeah. and something that's more mechanical and physical. But again, that's just conjecture. It's me watching from afar. I have not talked to him or asked him about what's going on with the putting stroke because whenever I'm calling him out there, he's making putts from all over the joint. It's just on Sunday afternoon when you miss the odd four and five footer. That's a different deal. And then you start exposing yourself and then you see this train get off the track so fast. You know, one thing I'd add to that, Mark, because I agree with everything you said there. That happens to to the player. Um, it, it's a nerve wracking thing when those putts are in question. But I'm I am impressed with Jordan's ability to keep the rest of his game going for the most part. And I thought today what happened on 14 uh, and and just 14. I know he made bogey at 15, but I thought he had a r really nice shot in there. Um, so, but aside from that, I, I think he's done a really nice job of staying strong mentally and keeping himself in it. And for a guy that's struggling with short putts, he's contending a lot, and uh, and and that's a an impressive thing to me, more so than uh, 
Well, I, I guess it doesn't really remove the concern at all, but it's just incredibly impressive to me because you would expect that to leak into the rest of your game and, and see him start to lose it off the tee and kind of fall apart in a way. But he has not done that. And and it seems like this is kind of the last straw that we got to, the last hurdle that he has to cross before being a really one of the more complete players out here. Yeah, it is awfully impressive. I'm, I'm not for one minute saying it isn't that he will keep himself in contention. But Jordan Spieth, like Rory, like Dustin Johnson, like Tiger Woods prior, Ernie Els, all these sorts of guys, they're not measured by how many top tens really they get. They're counting trophies on the on the mantle. John Rahm is the same yeah. thing. We can sit here and say, Rahm, 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 all these top tens and stuff, and he's beaten so many guys. Cal can help us with that. But they count hardware on the mantle and in the trophy case. And, and so that's a real thing for Jordan. And and I, and this is where I must credit Michael Greller because he's keeping Jordan in the saddle and Jordan, you know, pointed in the right direction a lot too. And that's a, that's a fantastic job that he's doing on the bag there to make sure Jordan stays in the mindset that you are to sort of just keep at it and keep going forwards. Max Homa also touched five under, which by the way, Mark, if, if Spieth is only ever, if he's only making putts while you're out there, maybe you should get on the payroll. They should, they should hire you to just follow that. I haven't pitched him this idea yet, but that's a really good one. I'll, I'll have to think about this. Yeah, work on that. Uh, Max Homa also got to five under at one point, Greg, and it was thanks to his 32 going out. Then he made bogey on 12, double on 15, another bogey on 18. It's going to be a T16 thanks to a Sunday 71 for Homa, but he is... Man, he's really starting to figure it out. Like the stat profiles are always so good. Uh, tough conditions don't seem to bother him. It is so impressive the year that Homa's uh, putting together. I was on rickrungood.com earlier nice. looking up Best some website uh, in the game. Go check it out, folks. <laughs> yeah. It, and it, it's just great. Anyway, I, I mean, I, I live there. So anyway, um, I'm looking at the St. Andrews. You could do the course key stats. I type in St. Andrews and just, I, this is preliminary. I'm just kind of poking around, see what I come up with. And I just look down to the best course fit. Now, Mark, you'll love this. It's 100% database, right? It's, <laughs> it's just all on data. Okay. Um, but Max Holma's name was like third on the list for be, uh, you know best course fit at St. Andrews. And it's it's very interesting because that stat profile does look great. Um, the putter this week wasn't really it, it wasn't electric, didn't quite get, get going. It wasn't quite consistent the way it has been. But everything else in his game is really right there for the taking. He led the field in strokes gain off the tee. Uh, it, he he had a tough first round with the uh, with his irons. But after that, he seemed to get control of it and get back to who Max Homa is. And I think going forward, he looks like a, a guy to beat. Now, what happened on 15? He, well, you know, he drives it into a bad spot, has to pitch out. And then as we saw with Jordan Spieth, it's really hard to hold that green. So he hits his third shot now over the green and ends up making a double, which was unfortunate. But I, I think going forward, this is all in all very positive for Max Homa. I have to ask this, Rick. Um, because I haven't been to rickrungood.com. Go check it out, folks, yet for next week. Um, what are the the elements, the characteristics that you are saying that are going to bode one well at the old course next week? So uh, bear in mind there's only two years. The, the only two years of data that go into it are 2015, 2010. 
right? right. So there's two years worth of data. Uh, when you look at all the finishers from those years and the stats that they excelled in, in the year that uh, they played, they played at St. Andrews uh, driving distance was highly correlated. Uh, strokes gained around the green was highly correlated. And a lot of those uh, like little wedgie shots, like approaches inside 100 yards were, were quite high. And how about lag putting? Lag putting was, so they call that approach putting. Uh, I'd have to, I'd have to run into the database and find where it ranks for. It's not inside the top 10. Um, but Mark, I would say I found it to be in 2015, it was pretty important. Um, the, the best entering that week, I was going rogue doing oh. my own research. Zach Johnson was first in approach putting Good. Jordan Spieth was tied. They were tied first. Uh, and then you had Jason day and believe it or not, Sergio Garcia were sixth. Jason was nearly in the playoff. Yeah. <laughs> yep. All those guys were, these are all guys in the top 10. Um, and then you had Justin Rose who was in the top 10. He was 13th in that category. Mark Leishman was 35th. So I, I think last year the top 10 was full of guys who were rather good lag. Putters. I, I scrolled right past it. They call it approach putt performance. Uh, there's only one other course on the schedule. Uh, in which approach putt performance was more highly correlated, Mark, with success. So that's pretty, that's about as good as it gets. Yeah. You're welcome, folks. You're welcome. Seven, seven, seven double greens, right? They're massive. Massive. Yeah. But that's the thing, too. I mean, look, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah. But that golf course, uh, I've said it in a previous podcast, it was shaped by the heavens. And they can, you can play it in two directions, which makes it so beguiling. And, and you look at the place with no wind, you're like, I'm going to shred this place because all these guys can drive it green side. But then you've got just the wrong place to hump and hollow somewhere. And you've driven it green high, but you've got to go around a pot bunker. And if you just, you're trying to cut the edge a little, all of a sudden you put it into the bunker. So it's, it's amazing how they'll go out in 29, right? Because you play that loop with no wind and it's really gettable. Then they come back in 36 or 7, and they've only shot 67. And you're like, oh, my goodness, we won 59 watch over here. So it's, yeah, lag putting is such a big deal. And a lot of that lag putting, in fact, comes off, comes from off those big greens, not necessarily on those surfaces all the time. I mean, I'll just do it. Let's just declare it open championship week right, and good. move right on uh, to the old course. We'll still get our best bets, our one and done. We'll do that uh, in the next segment. But but Greg, this is this is it. This is uh, the last major championship we're going to get for 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 nine months. The 150th edition of this championship, going back to the old course. This is setting up to be just a phenomenal week when you include Tiger. When you include the 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 way that the game is being divided right now, we're all going to St Andrews, and it's going to be amazing. And you're going to have fun whether you like it or not. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, there are so many players in our game now that are uh, stars who are playing well, like a Rory McIlroy, um, like a Xander Shoffley. You have some guys that are really turning a corner uh, in their career. Uh, Xander Shoffley, I guess, fits both th that category. Scotty Scheffler, you have a Jordan Spieth who's lurking in the mix. And then you have the unpredictability of the Open in general and just doing a little combing this morning on the weather it looks like we're going to have the winds look they appear to every day be in the 17 to 21 mile an hour range which <laughs> which is so cool that it's for it's it's way early but you don't know if that's going to be a little 
is that's the town of St. Andrews uh, on the golf course. Is that a little higher? Is that uh, is there going to be an, uh, an advantage in the afternoon or in the morning? What are we going to see there? So uh, I'm really looking forward to the fact that there is weather in the forecast. There is wind in the forecast because I think it it changes the golf course and it makes it uh, it makes it that much more interesting. And you see the as we call it here, the thinking man's open. And th- those are the players who succeed here. Those are the guys that do really well at this golf course. And my guess is those are the guys that are going to do it again. So uh, I am so excited to to see this one. Rick, you, you know what I love, both of you? Um, you know, as we were preparing for argument six for this week's um, Genesis Scottish Open, you look at previous winning scores and they were ranging between like 17 and 20 something under par because the wind hadn't blown yet. Then as soon as the wind blows, now low score was what this week? I forget, seven, six, seven. seven. And, and that's just what I love about the way the RNA and these open championship venues just shake out because if you catch St. Andrews on a benign day, par, I sound like Brasson, is like 68. You know, because you've got two par fives that for all these guys are reachable, especially the fifth on the front. And then you've got a couple holes that are drivable. So they become like, you know, long par threes or short par fours. And so they're okay with 20 under par being the low score, as long as it's the low score. But then when you the, the weather shakes up and then all of a sudden, par is a really good number. And that's why I'm glad because the reports I've heard from folks on site there is that the golf course is nice and crispy right now. It's firm. The ball's rolling out. When a ball starts rolling, every single one of those humps and hollows in that place suddenly become bigger. Because when the golf course is soft, the ball doesn't roll as far off each mound, left, right, forwards, backwards, whatever the case might be. As it gets firmer, those pot bunkers, which are small, they play bigger because of the fairway movement and stuff like that. And I read a great quote, I think it might have been by Walter Hagen, that he goes, you can hit a perfect shot that ends up in a damn near awful place. And then you can hit a damn near awful shot that ends up in a perfect place. And that's sort of what the game represents. And that's why so much of this challenge to me is some just being able to deal with those things to avoiding the bunkers because they're an automatic penalty over there because every single one of them has the straight up and down lip. There's nothing with low lips. And then the final thing to me is lag putting, but just pitching and chipping from green side. Because when the firm conditions happen and the grass gets burned out some, every single one of the folks listening to this, they've tried to hit a wedge shot off a firm, tight, sort of dusty lie. It's one of the hardest things in the game. Now you couple that with some difficult bounce and the pressure of a major championship, those shots just become downright scary, man. Uh, when I was catting for my brother in the British Amateur, he was played his way all the way to the final. There was some little pitch shots from 20, 30 yards away from the target that I was just nervous on. And when he hit, I wasn't even hitting. And when he hit the shot close, I'd be like, well, thank God, let's go to the next one. And it, it becomes such a mental challenge. The defense of the wind, Greg, the defense of the, the pot bunkers, the randomness, the, it, it's, it's everything we want. And oh, by the way, uh, the big cat will also be there and we've seen him play 18 holes in a practice round with justin thomas i think that was uh, my days are all screwed up was that this morning uh, i i believe i believe so have you been adjusting your body clock already 
Oh yeah, I'm, I'm all screwed up. I was also a, back and forth from the East Coast, so yeah, I'm I'm trying to get I'm trying to get, I don't even know what day it is. I'm trying to get all dialed in with that. But the cat's been playing. Yeah, he's been playing, and uh, and it it's exciting. And the thing that makes this one so exciting is you feel like he has a real chance, um, although albeit slim, he has a chance because it highlights his greatest strength which is that uh, that decision-making, the ability to handle the randomness. And there's a reason why he won here twice. So I, I love that aspect for Tiger. Um, he's not going to have the advantage a lot of these other players have where they can drive some of these greens, get it close to some of these short par fours. But his wedge play, can he can lean on his wedge play. He can lean on his ability to flight the ball and um, knowing where to hit it. And sometimes that's more valuable than power especially on a golf course like this. Um, again, think about who has won here. Well, Tiger twice. Uh, you, you mentioned, Rick, how important driving distance correlates to success here. And while that's true, Zach Johnson won the last rendition here, who is nowhere near one of the longer hitters. In fact, I have it right here. He entered, he entered that week on tour. He was ranked 166th in driving distance. Um, now, the players behind him, were they fared far better in driving distance than that. But it opens up that opportunity where anybody can win, anybody can contend. And I think having Tiger there, um, it just it, it highlights all those things and it gives him a, a real chance, a better chance than anywhere else, I would say. Was it Bobby Jones, Mark, that said, uh, hold on, I have it here. Bobby Jones once said that a player must win at St. Andrews to be considered Great. As uh, a big fan of Bobby Jones, as I know you are, I'm sure you agree with that sentiment. Well, have you looked at the uh, the honor roll at St. Andrews, who've won Open Championships yeah. over there? Yeah, it's wild. Yeah, it's wild. I mean, it's kind of a who's who of golf, really. And and that's what it is. And, and to me, I, I echo everything that Greg said about the course sort of playing up to Tiger and where he is right now. Um Part of the when you first go to St Andrews, for those folks who haven't been, you're like, really, is this it? And I remember walking around there the first time. I was struck by you just arrive in town and there you basically drive into the wall of the road hole. And I was like, my goodness, this is this hole I've been like holding in biblical esteem for all my life, and it's just there. And then I walked at the road hole bunker and I was like, well, okay. And then the Swilkin Bridge is this little thing over there over this burn, but then. The more you go there, the more you begin to understand just the intrigue of the design and the strategy that it involves. And that Bob Jones that you referenced, he's correct, I believe. And then he was also, and then he hated St. Andrews when he first got there. In fact, he walked off the course after getting himself stuck in Shell Bunker on number 11, I think it was, couldn't get out. So he was Tory Scorecard up, gave up, went in. And then in the end, after winning an Open and an Amateur there, he's uh, Augusta national was an ode to the old course in him because the whole thing about the old course, it gives you room to drive the thing some, but if you prepare to take the difficult line, it makes the second shot a little easier. And so everything around Augusta national with the width of the fairways, with the rolling Hills, all that sort of stuff is Bob Jones going back to the home of golf and the genius of its design. So yeah, if Jones said it, I believe it. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Bobby before X. You know, that's, that's how smart <laughs> this guy was. Uh, here's the last handful of winners at St. Andrews. Zach Johnson, Louis Tazen, Tiger, Tiger, John Daly, Nick Faldo, Seve, Jack, Jack again. <laughs> uh, yeah, pretty, 
Good. Is that the Hall of Fame or is that winners at St. I, Andrews? You, you left out Bobby Luck and Peter Thompson. I mean, you oh, keep I going down that list. Yeah, this will be the 30th. This will be the 30th uh, time that St. Andrews has hosted the Open Championship. So plenty of history. Bobby Jones, uh, 1927, did it at St. Andrews. So pretty, pretty cool. cool. And when you have old Tom Morris as the greenkeeper. <laughs> I mean, come on now, really? Is there even a comparison? I'll leave it there. Uh, there's so. What was the what was the stat? Or you you retweeted this, Mark? I think it was a Sean Martin stat. Where? Oh uh, yeah. Let me let me just make sure I get this right. Where basically, uh, obviously, the old course was not always called the old course. It was not nicknamed the old course until they created the new course, right? Yeah. And that new course was completed in 1895. <laughs> <laughs> The new course was the new course was so to put that into perspective, the country club, which is so old in America that it didn't even really need a name outside of the country club because there wasn't many of them, was what 19, I guess it was the late 1800s, but the first uh the, that Francis we met US Open was 1913. So we're talking about right. the new course at St. Andrews being completed basically around the same time that the country club was being completed. Well, to add to this, I mean St. Andrews was sort of nothing until golf kind of arrived. It was a, they got the cathedral there and St. Andrews and the flag of Scotland is St. Andrews cross. Andrew being one of Jesus disciples, right? When he was, he was martyred. And when he was crucified, he was crucified on a cross, an X because he, he didn't believe he could, he, he was worthy of being crucified like Jesus. And the word is that they took some of his remains to St. Andrews to the cathedral over there mm -hmm. so i mean the history in this place goes beyond golf and when you get there you just feel it and, and i can't wait to catch up with Carl to ask him these things and to see if he's there he'd just get over the live conversation and just start to experience st andrews and everything it is because it is it is downright biblical that place the townspeople of st andrews were granted the right to play on the links in 1552 <laughs> yeah think about 1552 that's just wild i mean when was the when was the plague it's like it's <laughs> unbelievable to think about what what this is the oldest courses we know are late 1800s and there's nothing even close to the 1500s it, it's, it's it's astonishing okay we get we're getting ahead of this I'm, I'm i'm bringing out my stuff that i had for tuesday's show but you know uh, Jack Nicholas is getting the honor of is is being given an honorary doctorate by uh, St Andrews University this week, right? And the last American person I believe to do that was Bob Jones. And at that stage, when Bobby Jones went over there, he was already wheelchair ridden with syringomalia, that sort of uh, it was horrible stuff, almost like Lou Gehrig's disease, and he was wheelchair bound. And so when he gets there for the ceremony, and they're going to give him the doctorate all the townspeople started singing, will we ever see his like again? And word is that he got up out of his wheelchair and walked to go and be captain gown and get the diploma, whatever it was, and walk back to his chair. Wow. Miracle, miracle place, this place. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk a lot more about the Open Championship and St. Andrews and everything else. Uh, I have to get to our best bets. I have to get to our one and done selections. And then... It'll officially be Open Championship Week, so we're going to do that. But first, we'll take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. 
And we're back. Uh, best bets, gentlemen. Mark, you and I, winners. Uh, Xander Shoffley, I did not give him enough credit. I had him to finish inside the top 20. Did a lot better than that. And Mark, you went with red hot Ryan Fox in a three ball over Sam Burns and Justin Rose plus 175. Cash it. Yeah, uh, I just wish I was allowed to gamble because <laughs> I had Fleetwood coming inside the top 10 as well, I think it was, or a contender, and he got himself a fourth. And so, yeah, it was a good work for me and a, a good good week for me, I should say. And I'm kind of happy because ordinarily these best bets I suck at. So it was nice to see one hit finally. Burns finished T66. Greg, that was outside the top 20 for you. And then Kyle uh, had Billy Horschel over Joaquin Neiman. Horschel missed the cut. And Joaquin Neiman finished T16. So two and two for our best bets this week. Yeah. Well, good job for you too. Very disappointing for myself. I can't speak for Kyle. I'm sure he's not happy with a loss, but um, I, I still stand by the Sam Burns bet. It was just a disappointing performance for him. One and done. One of us found the winner. Wasn't me. Wasn't wasn't Grant. me. See ya or Mark wasn't anybody. It was producer Jacob goes out, gets the full $1.4 million. And Jacob, you are now 1.1 million clear of coach. You're 300,000 behind the fans. And uh, you and the fans are really our, our, our hope to, to catch Mark, I believe at this point. Yeah. And I hate to say it, but I got to thank Mark for letting me on that pony on Tuesday and picking Xander Shoffley. In fact, he he revealed who he might be going with for the Open next week. Yes. I've got that guy available. Uh, I've also got Max Homa available, so that, you know, you guys are you guys are yes. going to make me take the bait with your discussion earlier on that. Um, but, you know, I mean, I'll, at this point, I'll just be happy if I win the B flight. Hey, Jacob, isn't it great to see your name in front of the coaches? I mean, that's just, that's just the best thing ever. It feels great. Uh, yeah. there's no, there's no better feeling in the world except for just your name being on top of everything, yeah. which I can't relate to. Uh, yes. Mark has already divulged who he's playing next week. Cause we were just, we were just sitting uh, backstage yeah. before we went hot. I will, I, I will. I'm, I'm keeping a secret. I'm, I'm going to keep it secrets, but Mark has already told us who he's going with next week. And Jacob's ears perked up so fast when he heard that. And he said, okay, I've got my decision made. So we'll, uh, but, you we'll know, what's interesting. See, see a Najad does have that player available. So mm. Ooh. Ooh. though the CEO mush did not come in this week, uh, you know, it it's possible that Sia could mush Mark's pick next week. Well, look, just for folks listening, I had saved, sort of saved John Rahm for this week, but I'm not going to do that. That's kind of my lead. I'm going to save John Rahm for the playoffs. I'm hoping he finds a little form there with a driver for a little bit. Yeah. Hopefully I was, too. uh, I was stashing Xander for the playoffs, and I saw he's playing hot now, so I just just threw him out there now. Paid off. Uh, yeah, Mark, good. That was a good choice. Jake. Until he wins the obviously. shadow leaderboard, and you know, obviously gets fourteen million. We'll, we'll figure what, out what, what we're are the for is. <laughs> Do we have the what are the payouts for next week? Do we know yet? Uh, not off the top of my head. I think they increased them though. To look. It's got to be at least two and a half, two point seven. Yeah, I would think. I would think as well. Hey, Rick, uh, Rick yes. tell uh, our producer who I've got for the tour finale and the and the shadow leaderboard. Uh, have you have you been saving Rory for then for East Lake? Yeah, good time, baby. 
That's where he always saves Rory for you. you roll yeah. out of bed and finish inside the top 10 at East Lake is, I believe. <laughs> top five, for goodness sake. No, there's only 30 players. That's true. There's only 30. Uh, Mark, you didn't do so poorly yourself here. Tommy Fleetwood, $360,000. That was the uh, second highest earner of the week. Fleets, Fleets did you all right? Yeah, it, it was, you know, I was happy that it happened for two reasons. One, you know, because it sort of helped me expand the lead on the fans just a little bit. Although I see some folks saying, well, he basically stayed where he was in relation to us. Um, but also, you know, links golf to me, especially in dry conditions speaks to the interaction of club and ground. And, and the one thing about Fleetwood, and if I was giving advice to anyone, he's not a bad pick next week either. You know, just the way the club interacts with the turf, the way it hits the golf ball, the fact that the slower greens don't really allow good putters to excel slow greens and those bumpy fescue sort of greens kind of they they sort of raise everyone's tide or lower everyone's tide together and and so you're not going to see a bunch of long putts made very often so it was a, a situation i think that was tailor-made for fleetwood and uh, i was i was happy to see he came through with a with a good weekend uh next week's purse is 14 million dollars which would make first place like two and a half uh is where we're checking in so so the fans could if they find a winner and Mark misses the cut, get to get within four hundred thousand. If well, what's that? If ends and butts for candy and nuts. <laughs> Listen, I'm trying to keep us live here, right? Oh, There's scenarios. Oh. It's like you know, I, I'm running the big board on election night. If these I, if, if these towns come in better than expected and yada yada, I'm finding pathways here. All you statistical guys, go and try and find a statistic to to massage this argument of yours. I'm sure there's something out there. I'll find <laughs> uh, let's see coach. Oh boy. That's a goose egg from Robert McIntyre to go along with Kyle's goose egg for Hideki Matsuyama. Uh, the fans and Sia got 180,000. So not the full on mush there for cam Smith. I had Ryan Fox, 20,700 Greg, Keith Mitchell, 37,266. Yeah, he played well on Sunday, which was nice. He shot four under on Sunday, um, got it to a, a respectable number. But he uh, and he also played really hard to make the cut. So yeah, I was happy with Keith. I think he's in play next week too. I I, uh, I wouldn't look past him. Remember what happened with with uh, with Colin Morikawa last year at the at the Scottish. I, I still think all the things that Keith Mitchell does well will work next week as well. But he's not a one and done play next week. Obviously, Obviously. yeah, lots of lots of money on the line. Lots of big boys still available for. I might, should, should I use like I don't want to use Bryson, but if I don't like uh, this is my last chance to use Bryson. Or I'll go I've, the whole I've, year. You know, I've got him. I might consider that for a minute. Hmm. Bryson, Bryson at an Open Championship does not necessarily uh, get me all hot and bothered. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, all right, gentlemen. Well, listen. Uh, it, it's here. It's here, the 150th Open Championship. It's going to be absolutely spectacular. We're obviously going to cover every square uh, inch of it. No blade of grass will go unturned. What do you think about Mark? What are you thinking, Mark? I have one more thing that I have to make note of, given the current environment in which we find ourselves in professional golf. When I was a college coach back in the day, I always said to every one of my players, and I say it to every one of the aspirant young professionals I've taught and stuff, I'm like, every shot you hit has potential ramifications somewhere. And when you learn that, and you do like Gary Player used to say to me, he goes, 
Mark, approach, approach each and every shot that you are over as if it's the last shot you will ever hit. Mm. Don't take, I mean, not take time or whatever, but the mindset should be, I'm giving this my everything. And then you let it go. Here's Alex Smalley this week. That if he plays his last two holes in even par, he gets into the open. Every shot meaning something, right? He misses that par attempt. I think it was on 15 or 16, and then makes a bogey on the last to not get in as one of the three final qualifiers. That is what professional golf is all about. And whereas it sucks for Alex Smalley, I commend him for being in that place and giving himself a chance because he could have ducked and went and played somewhere else for millions of dollars. But this is what the game's about. And to everybody listening, if you play golf, give every shot your best. It might not work out, but if you can take off your hat and go, I did my best, you can put your head in the pillow and get up next time and go do it. So, Alex, good on you, man. I'm sorry. I wish he would have made it because he's a fine young player, but he'll have some, he'll have lots of opportunity in the future. Lots of opportunities. Those final three tickets punched Kurt Kitayama, Jamie Donaldson, Brandon Wu headed to St. Andrews. Uh, Greg, I was thinking about. Uh, I, I forgot to mention at the top of the show. Did you see my hat? I wore this hat partially for you. This is um, this is the Hartford Yard Goats. Oh, there so you go. That's that's not only a, a nod to you up in Connecticut, but I figured Tiger was the goat, and uh, you're yeah, I like it, goat, Greg. So you love you love the uh, the minor league logos. Yeah. yeah, I do. They've got so many good ones. Um, blue one like that. I'm surprised you didn't get the blue hat. That's more their colors, isn't it? Yeah, like blue, and they've like got like a green that they use as well. They're pretty, they're pretty savvy up there. They know what they're, they know what they're doing. But uh, this is, this is going to be special, Greg. And we kind of talked about. I'm sure we'll talk about it on Tuesday. The uncertainty around the live guys, uh, like th th everyone getting together. It's this is it. Like this is like the way everything's going to shake out with OWGR. We have no idea, but this is this is kind of the grand finale. It feels it. It is. I would say. Unless something very unforeseen happens, it, it is the grand finale to to whatever extent that may be. So it's going to be really cool. It's going to be really special to watch. Um, not that I, I think, um, you know, having the live guys here is a great thing or a bad thing. It just it is what it is. But it's um, it, it's cool that this is the venue for this finale, if you will. Right, it's cool that you're going to have a opportunity to see Brooks Kepka playing a major again when he's still competitive to a degree. Um, whether you like it or not, it's cool. Um, so look, it, it's a it's a great venue for it, and um, but it's kind of a sad thing at the same time. It's very it's very sad the whole thing. But uh, but all in all, I'm excited. I'm really looking forward to this week, and I'm going to watch every shot like it's my last, as if I, as if I were playing. Hey, uh, fans, I've got Brooks Kepka available too. Hey, um, I'm, I'm going to play Gaslighter for just a minute. Um, I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on the RNA memo that was released earlier this morning. Um, I am generally a fan of reaping what you sow and if and if you're not welcome that's fine talking about greg norman not being welcome to the to the champions dinner champions however i don't know it's to the champions challenge as well you know the because they play the golf course back okay that's all however i feel like this was the like it, they took a stance and it was the weakest stance you could take you might as well not take a stance like i actually i actually think it is you know they said we don't want to take um you know we don't want to take the focus off of 
the event and the 150th and all this stuff. But like this kind of does, doesn't it? Aren't we now talking about something else? Yeah. And, and, and that, that's why I'm kind of disappointed at myself for asking, but when I woke up to this news, I was like, Whoa, you know, yes, the boys too. Well, yeah, you're right. It's, you know, there could have been other things they did, but, but they, they dropped the hammer. They, they brought the firm hand to the championship and said, this is what we're all about golf this week. And, our idea of golf doesn't mean anything doesn't else. with yours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly right, Greg. I, I tend to agree. I mean, I, I you want I, I understand that you want it to be all about the open, but I I don't know how much of that is really in your control. I don't know how much at the you know celebration of champions at the dinner at the challenge. I'm not sure um, how much of a difference it's going to make. Um, but that being said, I, there's more to it than just that. I, you know, there's principle involved. There are things that you believe in. Uh, the most significant aspect of this is that it's fr- it comes from the RNA. Mm-hmm. It doesn't come from the DP World Tour. Yes. It doesn't come from the PGA Tour. It comes from the RNA, um, which uh, I'm very curious to see how that you know how that progresses going forward. It might mean nothing. It, it might mean absolutely nothing. But um, but it's a very interesting aspect of this to me i agree all right gents listen let's go let's do it we'll be back uh monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday saturday sunday open championship every single day of the week but for now let me thank producer jacob does all the hard work behind the scenes he tweets at jacob underscore halix mark immelman is available on twitter at mark underscore Immelman. greg ducharme is available at the real gfd and you can find me at rick run good This has been The First Cut. We'll catch you next time.